Gay SA Radio, where you are family. I'm Ray, and this is what went down on Rainbow Talk, week ending the 19th of October. Dr. Anthony chats to a filmmaker, Shirley Berry, about the visibility of lesbians in cinematography. And the last person on our panel uh, is Shelly. Shelly Berry. Shelly, this morning I presented a paper on how, how entertainment education queer family dialogue. You know, when you see GC on Uzalo, there's a conversation happening at home and, and that affects people in, on how they navigate their home space. But somebody said to me, you know, all these uh, entertainment education, these soapies, these films with queer identities, they don't always represent the queer person. It's not our real stories, it's not our everyday life, it's a fabrication. It's a heterosexual person's idea of who we are. And sometimes these television uh, scripts and roles create more damage because at one hour or half an hour, they potentially educate 8.5 million people. And that becomes the knowledge. How can we create, how can we use television to create a diverse and ailing safe and a true identity of who we are. Thank you, good afternoon everyone. Um, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, this screen, these screens, all these screens exclude many, many people and they love the experience um, because it is projection largely. Um, often you have to ask who are telling the stories who owns the media, who are the makers of those images, and more often than not, people are entrenching myths and stereotypes about our lives. Um, and that I'm really, really passionate about, about that. In fact, um, one of the reasons why I became a filmmaker was because I wanted to change images. Um, also, someone that deals with the intersection between being a lesbian and a woman of color and a person with a disability. I mean, I am just that poster girl for it all. Um, so um, I feel very passionate because growing up, I didn't see lesbians on screen. Um, and, and that invisibility is very dangerous. And it's sad that it continues to be so in, in, in 2018. Um, and also people with disabilities that are often seen as um, asexual. Um, you, you don't see it yet. Many people with disabilities kissing or having a lover or having a partner, let alone a queer partner. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is about training people so that people are able to represent themselves. And a major intervention that is needed is that we need to be consulted about our lives. We need to be the scriptwriters. We need to be the directors. Um, we need to be making our own images, and, and that requires access to training. And of course, we're very proud to have a film school here at UJ, and ensuring that in our curriculum, we are not showing heteronormative work, um, and bringing people like basically, you know, to come and speak about what it's like to be a, a lesbian for makeup of color. Um, so I think we've got a very long road in it, uh, sadly, sadly so. And, and, and I think that was, was quite obvious with Mbeba, 
and what happened um, with the banning and lack of access to seeing such an important film. So we have to take over, basically. <laughs> we have to take over those spaces that we've been excluded from. And I think that only once we are making our own images will our lives be reflecting in kind of authentic way. Thank you so much, Kelly. Up next, Anele Siswana sits down with Dr. Anthony and they chat about deconstructing African masculinity and that the idea of being gay is un-African. I started off to say that we live in probably the most beautiful country in the world, South Africa. And this country has been hailed for having the most progressive constitution in this world. It was the first constitution globally that integrated the term sexual diversity, the confirmation thereof, and the protection of the rights of people with diverse sexual orientations in their constitution. And we can celebrate that because it's, it shows that we are part of a progressive world. However, our social realities do not show the same. We are still faced by violence, discrimination, and the vilification of people who are non-heterosexual. And why is it? It's because we live in a society that privilege and that only protects and prefers heterosexual orientations. And the interesting thing about these heterosexual orientations is that it is found in our home environment. It is found in our churches, in our religious institutions. It's found in the workplace. It is found in even the legal spaces and those who have to protect us. When a person with a non-heteronormative sexual orientation would go to a police station and report any incident of violence and discrimination, there's a whole lot more explanation that needs to be done before they can get service. And often as heterosexual people, we are not aware of our privileges. Now, much effort has been made through the political, educational, and media platforms um, to talk about this privilege that we have. The topic is not so silent anymore. The topic is visible. And we hear about it, we engage with it, but it seems like society does not get on the agenda. We still have homophobia right on our university campus. We still have men and women who do not uh, orientate as heterosexual who experience violence in and around our campuses. And one would think that university is a space where people learn and transform and are becoming progressive, but they come and leave the space with the same 
heterosexual, homophobic, sexist notions. What is it that we are not doing? We do a lot, but what is it that we are not doing? And we have heard from our director who introduced uh, Amele as a clinical psychologist, but also as an academic who studies uh, African uh, masculinities. Where is the challenge? We've heard the question, se uh, sexual orientation, LGBTI, and then I am proudly out celebrating a gay man. I'm a gay man myself, and I'm a gay lecturer myself, and I'm a gay black man myself, and I'm a, a gay Methodist myself. What does it mean as an African man with a same-sex identity where there is a disconnect between our constitutional values and that of our lived realities from our society? Amir, talk to us. Give us some answers. I hope you can. Um, Good afternoon, everyone. I'm speaking from my position as an academic, as you have said, but at the same time, I'm speaking from a position of being a Methodist local preacher. Uh, <laughs> so as a preacher, you would know, um, I'm expected to be the defender and to be one that speaks for the Bible and to be the one that speaks for God, who is for the heterosexual people. So, just to locate myself, I'm also gay. Um, I went through initiation to be circumcised to become a man. And so, my position is that it's quite interesting, as a gay man who's been through initiation, I was expected in the end to be a heterosexual man. We are just speaking with Anthony, that one of the things that we're expected to do after you from the bush it is to go to test the university stands if it's working properly. And so that interestingly for me, I didn't know what to do with my Mercedes Benz. I didn't even know it's a Mac, I didn't know if it's the latest, because I was a gay man. And so eventually I didn't have to test my, my Mercedes Benz because I was gay at the time. And so all those kind of constructions of what it means to be, I had to navigate my way. But in response to the idea of being gay is un-African, I oppose that idea. As some speech with my friend, we explored different kinds of words that have existed in the past and now. In Zulu, one of the ways in which you describe what it means to be gay, they call it umengili, meaning that it's something that it cannot be moved, either. it has always existed. And there's nothing that will ever come out of it. In this course, uh, we have um, this word, and, and he has in this course, but um, they use Imofi, no, 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 Imofi is Africans. Um, they use Amakare, Stabane, and all of that. Which proves that homosexuality has always been there. And this idea that homosexuality is un African 
is actually a myth because sexuality has no gender, sorry, has no ethnicity. So how do you locate to say that being gay is un-African because again, it has no race. Everybody who's African can be gay or identify with any of the LGBTI kind of um, sexual identities or ways of being. And so in terms of church, I always struggle because the ways in which you speak about church, it's supposed to be an institution of love, an institution of grace, an institution of acceptance. However, when it comes into sexuality, my problem becomes that the church becomes hypervigilant when it comes into sex. Because they then speak about what do you do behind the bedroom? And that's what the church is preoccupied with. The church again is preoccupied with heteronormativity because if you look at the Bible, in the way it was written and in the way it is presented to us, it is meant for Adam and Eve. It's not meant for Adam and Adam, it's not meant for Eve and Eve. And so that creates a problem because those kind of positionalities are not accepted. And yet again, the preoccupations with them about sex, it is made of the fact that our sex, if you are gay, it means that you're doing something that is wrong in abomination because nothing should come in there because it's not accepted. <laughs> and so it really challenges us to move beyond the ways in which you locate and think about sex, think about sexual practices, and think about sexual positioning. And so the church limits us from seeing the possibilities of what it means to be. And so Anthony, my problem with culture, culture is used as a scapegoat to actually say, oh no, I'm cross, we don't have that, oh no, I'm suit, I'm farmer. The Bible is then used as a justification to say that God only created man and a woman. And so there's no other possibility of being the other. And otherness within the context of church is not welcome. And so I always have to navigate my way being a clinical psychologist, being um, a someone to be in training, and being a preacher. All of these identities are clashing with, uh, with each other. And so, I mean, again, imagine being gay as well. It adds another complication. And so all of these identities, when you locate them, they do different kinds of discourses. And now, I'm a young lecturer who may be dealing with different kinds of students, and my question is, what are the spaces in which we create so that our queer identified student can feel comfortable and be less boxed in terms of these identities? And so, thank you for that. Thank you. The conversation is over. Now here are young delegates at the UN Rights Commission representing South Africa. I'd like to call, call upon the delegate from South Africa. Delegates, the floor is now yours. Same-sex marriage is not gay privilege, if equal rights. Gay privilege would be something like black, gay people not paying taxes like churches don't. Richie Jambayas. During apartheid in South Africa, the Immortality Act restricted what they term as unnatural or immoral sexual act. This discriminatory legislation 
led to the establishment of, so, of various rights organizations such as gender dynamics. The, the South African Constitution made discrimination based on se sexual orientation illegal, making the Constitution one of the most progressive in terms of LGBTQ plus rights, also known as queer rights. This also goes hand in hand with the advancement of SDG 5, 10, and 16. South Africa has had to put strategies in place to tackle issues which arise. Minimizing HIV infection rates has been a constant struggle. South Africa has the largest anti-racial viral treatment within its class, which is financed from its own domestic resources. The government also released a national LGBTQ plus HIV strategy, which tackles issues which have been overlooked in the past, increasing the availability of lubricants for gay men and providing pre-exposure prophylaxis to prevent infections. The LGBTQ plus community faces high levels of social stigma and homophobic violence due to traditional and conservative attitudes. A staggering four out of 10 LGBTQ plus South Africans have been murdered for being or suspected of being lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Shamefully, 23-year-old Nodkolo Sageda is part of the statistic. Intolerance that for three times to death. Intolerance measured from verbal insults, having objects thrown at them, personal property being damaged, and the worst, being raped and or murdered for being human and following your heart. Changes such as amending South Africa's Civil Union Act have been put in place to protect the queer community. However, these have not altered the heteronormative beliefs and continue to make the queer community feel out of place. Our elders continue to turn their backs on individuals who yearn for acceptance. Legalizing marriages to the same sex is not enough. Societies need to be educated since majority of our country remains clueless. South Africa is here today to seek assistance from our allies to combat these problems. Thank you. Thank you, delegate. We'd now like to call about the delegate from the United States. Finally, Zindi Stian Gub speaks to us about the relationship between art well-being and UNISA's community engagement projects. This is GSA Radio, where you are family. I'm Ray, and you are streaming to Rainbow Talk. As I mentioned, I've got three very lovely ladies joining me in studio, and we're talking about some really serious stuff affecting us as the LGBTQ plus community. Up next, I'm chatting to Zindi Stienkab, who is also currently busy with her master's in research psychology, and I'll be chatting to her more about the relationship between out LGBT well-being and UNISA, as well as the aim of these community engagement projects also her own involvement without and why safe spaces particularly for lesbian women are important now zindi please tell us a little bit more about unisa the community engagement work and how this collaboration with lgbt uh, without lgbt well-being started thank you so much ray so i would just like to get started with saying that the collaboration between out and unisa is not new in fact, the relationship has been in existence since 1998. And because of this relationship, several academic and scientific outputs currently exist. And a lot of lives have been impacted positively, especially by the people in the psychological field. 
And the psychology and the partner at Genisa is governed by the College of Human Sciences, which is a people-centered and um, people-centered focus and is committed to learning, teaching, research and offering services with the intent of helping individuals and different communities to improve the quality of their lives. So as a result, from 2013 to 2017, the College of Human Sciences at Chinisa has supported 198 um, community engagement projects so far. And currently, there are 25 registered projects in 2018 alone. Thus, through the different projects UNISA is running, they are attempting to give a voice back to the marginalized in Africa. Absolutely. And in more detail, um, what is the aim of these community engagement projects? So despite the civil society organizations providing support, health and well-being support services are often limited. And especially given the severe resource constraints and a lack of an evidence base to inform these efforts, thus there's an urgent need to address the health and well-being related needs of LGBTI people and Chinisa is well positioned to raise awareness and to offer their support. And can you briefly just quickly tell us about your own involvement with ALT and how your relationship with them came about? So as you've mentioned, Ray, I'm yeah. busy with my master's degree in psychology at UNISA. And I got my passion for the field a year back when I acted as a research assistant for the hate crime working group um, of which Vanessa has spoken about earlier. And as a part of our master's degree, we had to do practical placements. It's like a mini internship Mm -hmm. for 10 weeks at an organization of our choice. Mm. So as a result, I chose um, Out LGBT Wellbeing um, as my organization to contribute and to continue my passion for this field. So it was during this time that I met Maud, who is the office um, and HR manager at Out, who came up with the idea of hosting the very first safe space for lesbian women. And we worked together and we hosted a pretty successful session with 30 plus women. But um, she will tell you more about this shortly and also reveal some of the things that happened at the safe space we hosted over the past weekend at Chinisa. Yeah, uh, talking about that safe space, you just mentioned that Art hosted their very first one. Why did Art start with this safe space, uh, especially for lesbian women in particular? So Alts currently does have safe spaces running across different areas of Gauteng, and this includes Mamelodi and Eersteres. Mm. And then there's also one in the Eastern Cape with the help of She. However, these safe spaces are very much orientated towards gay men and transgender individuals. And with women being vulnerable in our country, there's a huge need for this particular service. And therefore, the very first safe space for lesbian women was planned and hosted this year in May. So we initially got funding from OUT and the community engagement project ran by UNISA. However, more funding has been obtained for future safe spaces, which is very exciting, but we also always need more. Mm. So in addition to this big need, such safe spaces will also allow for a safe environment where women can identify as being lesbian women. And they can also come here and share their issues, the needs they have, the challenges they experience. Thus, bringing the women together in a safe environment will not necessarily decrease the fear of discrimination experience. However, knowing that support and a safe space are available may hold psychological benefits. But I'm going to end here. I think I've <laughs> said enough about the safe spaces. I feel this is more more section. So 
she will tell you more about it. Thank well, you, Ray. Thank you so much for chatting to me, Zindi, and uh, congratulations for this huge project that you have started. And good luck with your studies and everything else that you partake in from here onwards. Thank you so much. Up next is the internet with special affair as well as the chain smokers with closer. And then we'll be chatting again with Mode Maudi Swartz, and she'll be telling us more about the involvement of alt LGBT well-being. This is, of course, Gay Say Radio, where you are family. You hanging out with myself. Be sure to catch that and so much more on Rainbow Talk every weekday between 12 and 3 p.m. Standard South African time right here on Gay SA Radio, where you are family.